Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode. Thank you so much once again for joining me and following along. I am feeling pretty good this morning. The creative juices are flowing. I'm feeling inspired. I'm excited about this conversation. One thing that happens to me though that I've become aware of as I've sat down and tried to record and re-record this intro about I would say 10 times now is that when I'm feeling really inspired and creative, it's hard for me to put that into structured thoughts right away. So I want to preface this conversation with the fact that I'm feeling kind of not very grounded, I guess, in the way that I'm thinking right now. And it's not a bad thing. I feel very, like I said, creative and inspired, but that sometimes comes along with my thoughts not necessarily stringing together in the most logical fashion. So I'll do my best But, you know, it's all part of the journey and I don't want to only put episodes out there when I'm feeling like I can really structure them and I'm super meticulous and planned out. The whole goal of this podcast was to just show up and express myself and sit down and have real, raw, authentic conversations. And what that means is this might not be perfect and, you know, none of my episodes are going to sound perfect, but yeah, Just wanted to preface that in case I'm all over the place. Who knows? We'll see. We'll see how it goes. This is a journey we're on together. You know, I'm not super tuned into conversations about astrology. I'm interested. I'm very interested. But I find the whole realm of astrology to be overwhelming. I feel like there's so much to know and I can't process all of it. But with that said, I find it really interesting to reflect on how the cycles of the moon impact our the way that we're feeling, the way that we're thinking, the way that our emotions are fluctuating. And, you know, I can really feel that this month. I know that the full moon was a couple of days ago, the full moon in Cancer, and I have been feeling very funky. I won't lie. It's funny because I go through these cycles of feeling really good about myself, feeling good about what I'm putting out into the world, and then wanting to completely change that and start fresh and do something completely new. I don't know. Part of me wonders if I'm addicted to the challenge almost, like the nervous system experience of being in a space of newness and once I start to kind of reach a point of stability, it's almost like I need to shake things up for myself. And I think in part, that's part of my personality is I I crave change and I crave newness and my life always being a reflection of 
how I'm feeling internally and that I, especially on things like social media, I have this deep craving and deep desire to just express whatever I'm feeling and, you know, going through during that time, even if it doesn't perfectly align to my overall content strategy or the niche that I'm in. And, you know, I'm, I'm always in this battle with myself of trying to maintain a presence that is on some level consistent and working towards a consistent vision and consistent goals. And then on the other hand, feeling so inspired and pulled in different directions. And I don't really have any good insight here. I'm still kind of figuring this out. And if you have any good insight, I would love to hear it. But yeah, I'm just trying to find that balance of allowing myself to express and be creative and be a reflection of whatever it is that I'm going through at the moment because I feel like that's how I process and that's how I connect with folks. But at the same time, keeping containers and consistency and a certain degree of structure for myself so that I'm not I guess so that I can stay grounded. I find that that helps me feel grounded. So I'm not sure if anyone else can relate to that or if that makes sense, but that's basically what I've been feeling during this full moon is this this urge to throw caution to the wind and completely start fresh. And in the past, this has not necessarily served me and I've learned to find a balance in between having a degree of stability and structure that makes my nervous system feel supported and at the same time allowing myself to have freedom in my expression and my creativity and not feeling so confined by a niche or a specific you know strategy or what have you and I know that that goes against a lot of what I studied when I went to school for business Um, in relation to having a niche and the importance of that and the importance of having strategy. But I think there has to be space for, you know, fluctuation in that and adjusting to your reality. And I took this course last year with Dr. Laura Batson, who, if you don't know who she is, highly recommend checking her out. She is my former naturopath based out of Ottawa. I met her during a really difficult time and she was one of the first people that really validated what I was going through. It's funny, I went to her for dietary issues, but we ended up, it was more like a therapeutic experience because I really felt like she understood me and listened to me and saw me and validated where I was at and what I desired. Um, And so she was a really transformational person in my overall journey but specifically my healing journey and anyways I took this course with her it was called liberate your curve and basically the idea is that in a lot of realms within our life we are taught that linearity is superior and that we have to be linear in everything that we do everything has to follow a certain sequence and to be curvaceous and not linear feels unsafe feels irresponsible and goes against everything that we're taught and conditioned and led to believe about success and just overall life trajectory we're taught that it's dangerous to you know stray from the linear path and you know throughout that course she taught me about the value of honoring your curvature is what she would call it and that means something very different to each one of us 
but essentially it's your authentic self and what you're feeling called to. And so since that time, I've been trying to integrate that lesson and that teaching into my life more. And this is one of those areas where I feel, and especially, like I said, has been coming up for me recently, I feel this internal pull to express in the way that I want to express and not feel so confined by all of the rules that dictate what we need to do in order to be valuable members of society and to be successful, etc. So yeah, I just thought I'd share that that's the big thing that's coming up for me. I still don't have a good insight on what the middle ground is and what the balance is, but maybe at some point once I have more of a a sense of what that looks like for me, I'll be able to do a full episode on that. Also, the other thing I want to share is if you hear some background noises, please forgive. I always give this disclaimer. And also, you know, we're working on a budget here, so I apologize for any harsh P sounds or B sounds, those pop noises that you might hear occasionally. Um, Eventually, I'll be able to get some equipment to fix that. But for the time being, we're working on a budget. It is what it is. All right, so backstory for this week's episode is I posted something on social media last week about how we get in our own ways and how, you know, bullying ourselves and criticizing ourselves, you know, kind of leads us to be extremely disconnected from ourselves and our expression and creates this fear-based relationship with our inner child and so on and so forth. And... I got a lot of questions and comments about how do I shift this and you know not to say that I have all the answers to that of course it's something that I'm still navigating myself but in this episode I really want to talk about the ways that we can get out of our own way and stop stifling our creativity and stifling our self-expression and connect with more of a a way of expressing that is rooted in freedom and authenticity and the visual that's quite often used when it comes to self-expression is water and the flow of water and how when we're getting in our own way we're kind of resisting the natural flow of the water and this is something that always really resonates with me because I can feel energetically in my mind and body when I'm resisting and so we're going to talk a little bit about that what it really means to be in our own way and some of the behaviors that keep us stuck and keep us in a cycle of self-criticism or self-sabotage and you know essentially block us from being able to access the freedom and the power of what it means to be connected to ourselves and our authenticity and then of course In talking about some of those behaviors, I'll also share some tips for overcoming those behaviors and working through them so that we can see what's on the other side of essentially being in our own way. So I'm going to start off with a little definition because I feel like this is something that's thrown around a lot, you know, get out of your own way and, you know, you're blocking yourself. And what does that really mean? To me, it's being in a space of not honoring our natural strengths, abilities, ways of expressing our desires. We can get stuck on certain narratives that tell us why we can't be, do, have something. So we essentially create a blockage so that we prevent ourselves from having certain experiences. And to me, the way I think about this is that there's a certain energy that wants to be expressed and wants to flow through us. And in not doing so, we're creating an energetic buildup, which essentially down the line can result in tension and frustration and anxiety. 
And we can think of this in terms of a simple emotion. So let's say, for example, you're feeling anger and that's your natural state of being. And in a lot of ways, it's funny, I was talking to my mom about this the other day. We're taught that the expression of anger is scary and wrong and we should do everything that we can to control it. And of course, there's a difference between suppression and regulation. I'm certainly not suggesting that we go around having angry outbursts, but back to my original point about feeling an emotion, you're having an energetic experience in your body that wants to pass through you and essentially needs to be processed. And rather than allowing yourself to healthily expel and express that energy, again, not in a way that is harmful towards others, I think there are healthy ways to express anger that don't have to involve or implicate others. But without being able to actually express and move through that energy, we create this buildup. And I'll share an analogy in a minute for what I mean by that. But essentially, it's just creating blockages in our being. And this extends beyond just emotions. We also have buildup of creative energy that we're not allowing ourselves to express and, you know, things that we want to say perhaps in conversation with someone we want to speak out against something that we feel is unfair or we want to stick up for ourselves and or we want to try something new and we want to put ourselves out of our comfort zone but for some reason we have a specific narrative in our mind or some other barrier that keeps us in this place of being stuck and on an energetic level This just creates, like I said, that buildup of tension and frustration, which can often lead to anxiety. And I've talked about this before in my story with my career path and how I felt so incredibly disconnected from it. And there is this internal pull to something different, but I wouldn't allow myself to explore that because I had so many fear-based narratives around what it would mean to leave the path that I was on, the very steady linear going back to what we were talking about earlier and straight route to success or so I thought in combination of course with a variety of unhealthy lifestyle factors led to this energetic buildup which eventually manifested itself as panic attacks and anxiety and so again that's just another example of how this kind of same experience of not allowing ourselves to think certain things, express in a certain way, try new things, you know, adopt new belief systems creates this kind of inner experience of tension and anxiety. And oftentimes this feeling of being stuck and having the belief about ourselves that we're not capable of creating change or expressing ourselves because we're constantly in this cycle of blocking ourselves. And so the analogy that I always share in relation to how we do this and it's a visual that really helps me to understand this is basically imagining knots in a hose like i said earlier a very common visual when it comes to living in flow and just being a witness to our life experience and kind of being along for the ride without needing to have such tight grip and control that visual of water of a stream flowing freely and no real blockages or barriers and the ease and the freedom that comes along with that. So I believe that when we're expressing ourselves freely and living alignment with our authenticity, the water is flowing easily. But as we begin to build up those protective and defensive behaviors or we suppress, neglect, censor ourselves, 
we begin to form knots in the hose. So the tension and resentment begin to build up and we can start to disconnect from ourselves and others. And really before engaging in a contemplative self-awareness practice, we may not have even noticed that the tension was there, but through this work, we can begin to find and release the knots and essentially get back into our natural state of being. Oftentimes when engaging in this type of self-inquiry, we think that we have to change the course of our lives or seek inspiration or seek creativity. And the visual of the knots in the hose is essentially that our way of being is natural and therefore we don't necessarily have to do anything to conjure that natural state of being, if that makes sense. What our intention and our focus is when we feel blocked and when we feel stuck is to find the knots and release them. So find the things that are blocking us from the creativity that's already flowing, the inspiration, the way of being, the expression. And when I talk about these knots and these protective and defensive mechanisms, what I mean by that is essentially, I've talked about this before, but the survival personality that we create for ourselves the version of ourselves that we believe we need to become to be loved, approved of, accepted, feel safe, and how we add protective layers onto our natural, authentic selves as a buffer to avoid experiences of pain or embarrassment or rejection or abandonment. So to give an example of what I mean by this, let's say you had an early life experience of being bullied and that experience made you self-conscious and have a fear of rejection because you know what it feels like to be rejected and to be excluded it's natural to want to protect yourself from ever having that experience again and so you build up these walls and you adjust yourself in a way that you believe will protect you from ever experiencing rejection again on one hand you might be shielding yourself from the experience of rejection But on the other hand, you're also preventing yourself and blocking yourself from ever being able to have new experiences where, of course, rejection is a possibility because it's always a possibility. There will always be people who don't accept and judge us. But because we're trying to shield ourselves from that experience, we keep ourselves small and stuck and not really allowing ourselves to have certain experiences under essentially the illusion that we have control over who will and will not reject us. So that's essentially what I mean by these protective layers. We do this in so many different ways. It's not just the experience of rejection, but any real way that you hold yourself back or edit yourself in order to avoid those certain situations are what I mean by those those ways that we create knots within the hose of our self-expression, if you will. So like I said, getting back into our natural state of being in my opinion, is more about identifying those things and releasing them and releasing that control to avoid those experiences and accepting a broader range of outcomes. So what I mean by that is that, yes, if you put yourself out there, of course, rejection is a possibility, but it's not the only possibility. And at the same time, we build up the nervous system ability to navigate rejection and still stay true to ourselves, and still have a sense of self-worth. So really it's about releasing this resistance that we have to life experiences and specifically to negative life experiences or what we perceive to be negative because 
you know, it's the same thing going back to the example of anger and the broad emotional spectrum. If we try to avoid and suppress only one part of it, we're not honoring our true state of being, which is the whole emotional spectrum is natural and normal and necessary. So the more that we resist it, the more of that buildup and that tension and that suppression we create. So just to give one last example of this, and this is kind of random, but I was thinking about this the other day and the concept of resistance and how that can actually create a more uncomfortable experience um, when I was skiing. And a little bit of backstory is that skiing doesn't really come natural to me. I'm not an adrenaline person. I feel like when I look down a mountain, it doesn't feel natural that I'm going to propel myself down it. But I do really, really enjoy it. And I don't want to allow myself to be held back by fear. And so anyways, I was going, I was skiing the other day. My partner is a ski instructor. And I just really, I was going down a a run and I felt like I was just resisting it so much. I was constantly trying to stop myself. So I couldn't really gain any momentum. And it was really hard on my body. I was feeling exhausted by the end of the runs because I'm constantly resisting and constantly slowing myself down, which not to say that slowing yourself down is a bad thing, but the way that I was skiing felt not fluid and felt very stop start. So any momentum I gain, I would just stop and it just didn't feel good. And of course I get to the bottom of the run and I will often ask my partner for feedback. And he said, well, it looked like you were really resisting your turns and it looked like you were just really uncomfortable. And I was like, okay, interesting, because that's the exact experience that I was having. And so as I started doing the next run, I just experimented with not necessarily speeding down the run, but seeing what it would feel like to be a little bit less resistant to the experience and allowing my turns to be a little bit more fluid and momentous. I don't know if that's a word, but having momentum. And it was just a lot easier on my body and I felt a lot better and I still felt safe. But yeah, it just led me to question, you know, how long have I been skiing in this way that is so resistant and so hard on my body? Because I would find I would go skiing with a group of friends and I would be worn out by the second or third run, whereas they could go for, you know, all day. And up until that point, I hadn't really thought about how much resistance I was creating. And, you know, maybe that's not the best example, but it's just something that I was thinking about as I had this experience skiing the other day. And I think it, you know, has parallels with the conversation that we're having today. If you haven't already been able to tell, I'm a big fan of analogies and I was also listening to this podcast not too long ago, specifically on human design. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that. And like I said at the beginning of this podcast, I'm not super well-versed in astrology or any of these methodologies necessarily, but I do find it really interesting and I love to learn about them to the extent that it helps me to feel more validated in my being. So for instance... I learned that I am a manifesting generator, which this podcast was basically talking about how these folks are multi-passionate, multi-talented, have numerous things going on and enjoy 
being that way. And I've talked before about how the traditional archetype of having one passion, one purpose, one life path, and one direction is typically glorified. So when I hear this about the manifesting generator and that this is a very valid and real and large percentage of the population according to this methodology, it more than anything else just makes me feel validated and comforted and like I can be this way without feeling ashamed. So the thing that I kind of like about human design is that it it says that you are your most efficient and your your most free and content and expressive when you are living in alignment with your design. And in another way of framing this, I would say living in alignment with your authenticity and when you're not resisting the authenticity and the self-expression and the emotions that you're having. So this particular podcast framed it in that way. And essentially, again, the analogy that they were using, and I'll link the episode if I can find it, hopefully I can, in the show notes. But essentially they're saying that when you're resisting your natural way of being, you're trying to pull a train uphill and you can imagine how difficult that would be. But it all just comes back to needing to apply the maximum amount of energy and the maximum amount of output and adjusting yourself and putting so much energy and exertion into just showing up and existing. And there's an alternative way to live, which is being aligned to your natural way of being and expression. And I don't remember the alternate um, analogy that they used, you know, to say if you're not in alignment with your authenticity, you're pulling a train uphill. I believe it was something like maybe you're pushing it from behind and it's going down a hill and it's gaining momentum and speed much easier and faster and you're not having to put in as much effort and energy because it's much more natural and fluid. So what we've discussed so far is essentially what does it mean to be in your own way and on the other hand what it means to be living much more in alignment with your authenticity and your design and your natural way of being. And before we move on, I just want to reiterate why this is important. So I mentioned this briefly, but I'm going to mention it again. We allow ourselves to preserve energy when we're not constantly in a space of resistance. And when we have more energy, we have more energy to spend on things that are really meaningful and important to us rather than expending energy on, you know, upholding this version of ourselves that we really don't align with or identify with because we may not actually feel and be consciously aware of how much energy it actually requires to uphold a version of ourselves that doesn't feel authentic, but I believe that that does require a lot of energetic output and can be draining and exhausting and confusing. So that's the first one is energy preservation and, you know, hand in hand with that is being able to use your energy and your time and your focus on things that really matter and that are going to propel your your life in a direction that is meaningful to you. I also feel that there's a certain amount of beauty that comes along with the unique expression and footprint that you have and what you bring to the world that no one else can really bring. Anyone can replicate a version of someone else, but no one can really bring your uniqueness and your authenticity. And once again, was listening to a podcast and the analogy she used was if we're all part of this 
beautiful, colorful tapestry and you're not allowing your unique strand or thread, if you will, to shine through, that specific part of the tapestry will be dull and won't be lit up. And so the visual is as we all express and honor and sink into our natural state of being this beautiful tapestry is vibrant and it all fits together and it is a masterpiece i also feel like there's this element of when you show up completely as yourself and you aren't afraid to show up imperfectly because we're all imperfect and to just not feel the need to censor or adjust yourself you are validating others who maybe have that same insecurity so let's say for example you feel ashamed of your body maybe you've been conditioned to believe that the body that you reside in is not worthy of love or approval and you've always kind of felt self-conscious about that knowing that other folks are out there who are also self-conscious in fact i would say a large majority of us are you rather than shying away from just existing in your body and owning it and wearing what you want to wear and not hiding who you are and you know the rest of it and just showing up as you are validates other people who are having that same insecurity and seeing oh like it's okay for them to do that maybe it's okay for me too so again we're in this collective experience where when we allow ourselves to be ourselves we provide that same validation for others. And it also helps to dispel some of those narratives in our mind about what it would mean and perhaps the unsafety that it would create if we showed up as ourselves or expressed ourselves in a certain way because we see other folks doing it and navigating their life and perhaps seeing that they're safe and they are content and they look to be free and that inspires us to, to do the same. And then again, I touched on this before, but the importance of allowing ourselves to be open to a multitude of outcomes beyond this singular one we may have in our head. So let's say, for example, you're going back to the body example, you feel self-conscious about your body and the narrative is that if you wear something, everyone is going to judge you and you're going to be rejected. Again, while that might be true, although I... Highly doubt it. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once, it's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. There are also so many different outcomes beyond that one that you're so fixated on and that you believe to be true. There is the outcome of people not caring, people not giving you a second glance, or people admiring you, or people being completely neutral. There's so many different outcomes. And of course, there's also the outcome of a mix of all of those outcomes. And it's not about shying away from the negative and only embracing the positive outcomes that exist. There is an element of deeply engaging with life and being deeply connected to not just the highs, but also the lows and allowing ourselves to feel that and, you know, roll with the fluctuations of life and not feel like we always have to be gripping our way back to our baseline, honoring ourselves and learning what needs to be learned about ourselves and others when we are in perhaps a low point or a low period and seeing how we can learn and heal from that can also be really beautiful. So with that said, let's talk a little bit about some of the behaviors that are keeping you in your own way. And we're going to talk about mental habits as well as actual you know, physical habits as well because they both play a role. And oftentimes the mental habits are the foundation of the actual action that we take, which perpetuate this feeling stuck and not allowing ourselves to get out of our own way. So the first one, which I won't spend a whole lot of time on because I have a whole podcast episode, it's episode number four, the link between limiting beliefs and self-doubt, self-sabotage, and self-criticism. So evidently, the the first behavior that keeps us in our own way is holding on to limiting beliefs. You know, holding on to these beliefs that confine us into a reality that dictates what is and isn't possible for us and how we start to feel that friction and tension when we're pressing upon the outer edges of our limiting beliefs. So in that episode, I talk a little bit more about what limiting beliefs are and the role that they've played in my overall journey and how I've learned to let go and I'm continuing to learn and evolve and let go of limiting beliefs and really to empower you to get behind your limiting beliefs, understand where they're coming from, heal what needs to be healed, and then shift into beliefs that are supportive of your highest good and in the context of this conversation, allow you to get out of your own way. Because if you have a belief that something is not possible for you and you have the inspiration to put yourself out there in that way, that belief can just block you from ever being able to actually try. And then in the same realm, you know, beliefs are just repetitive thoughts. So, you know, negative thoughts that we have about ourselves, negative self-talk. Again, we stop ourselves before we even have the chance to try. We kind of bully ourselves and criticize ourselves into avoiding certain experiences and not allowing ourselves to do certain things and try certain things because we have this internal self-talk that is highly critical. One thing that I find really helps to unpack critical self-talk and you know, kind of reverse it and start to shift into more supportive or even neutral self-talk is to reflect upon where that 
those thoughts and that self-talk came from because I don't believe that we come into this world hating ourselves and wanting to bully ourselves. I think that that is learned behavior. So let's say we witness someone in early life speaking to themselves in that way or we see them being criticized for specific characteristics that we also identify with or we ourselves were criticized. So let's say we were bullied. We can then actually internalize the voice of people who are criticizing us or who we witness being criticized and we can start to like I said, internalize that as our own. I think on some level this can be a defense mechanism because if we speak to ourselves in this way and we stop ourselves first before anyone else can, then we feel that we're, you know, keeping ourselves safe. But really, again, we're just perpetuating this very same cycle of not allowing ourselves to express ourselves and have certain experiences. And something that I also find really helps once you've identified the source of this type of internal uh, self-talk and perhaps you've identified a accompanying fear or insecurity so perhaps it's a fear of rejection or a fear of abandonment etc is just imagining that you were speaking to either your inner child but if that doesn't work someone else that you love in the way that you're speaking to yourself and this is a very common technique but if you actually really try even speaking to yourself like in the third person um, you can really start to examine your self-talk and start to hopefully shift that and as a result experience a shift in your overall well-being and also have that supportive voice within you that is enabling you and empowering you to get out of your own way and try new things and have new experiences. Another thing that keeps us in our own way is subconscious fears that we may have towards certain experiences. And I think it's really healthy and helpful to process and work through whatever it is, whatever narrative and loop you're playing on that is fear-based because you might not even realize that you are avoiding certain experiences or you have a certain physical reaction, perhaps one of anxiety towards certain experiences. And as a result, it just, for me at least, has made my life a little bit more difficult because I'm always reacting from this place that in reality there is no threat, but based on a subconscious experience or a subconscious memory and a fear that was instilled within me, I'm still operating from that place. So a good example for me was I couldn't actually consciously remember or identify why I developed sort of a claustrophobic fear and this was really impacting my life in that I was having a hard time functioning in certain capacities. So, you know, meetings at work or any area that I was in a close space so being in a theater being around other people which ultimately was really limiting and limited my experiences that I felt comfortable having and so being able to identify not necessarily why I have that fear but just identify that I do and validate it okay I see that you're scared of this situation I don't know why 
Perhaps I don't need to know why, but I'm going to provide some self-soothing and provide some wisdom from where I am at now. And I can ensure you, by the way, this is me talking to myself, that we're in a safe situation. You don't need to be scared. We can explore this situation, see how it goes, allow ourselves to have this experience without always being, you know, guided by fear and see what happens. And going into it with that approach, validating the subconscious fear, even though I don't really know where it's coming from, again, helped me to really get out of my own way. And also going hand in hand with working through subconscious fears is developing the skills to regulate your nervous system and perhaps working with a professional who can help you to process and work through those fears as well. So next we have the cycle of procrastination and overwhelm. I find this really interesting. When I was developing Mindfulness for Stress and Anxiety, the online program, I worked with a registered psychotherapist, Sophia, and she shared with me that a a lot of the stress responses that we are traditionally taught, so fight, flight, freeze, we're taught the physical manifestation, but we're not so much taught the mental manifestation. So as an example, for the stress response freeze, we often think about someone actually physically freezing like a deer in the headlights, but we don't necessarily talk about the mental confusion or the inability to you know, think clearly. And the same goes for the flight response. So the flight response basically is when a situation is stressful or anxiety provoking or fearful in some capacity, even if it's in a subconscious way, we have this tendency to want to flee, leave the situation, leave the environment. And on a mental level, this can also look like procrastination and feeling overwhelmed. And so essentially what happens is our system can be overcome with overwhelm and we get stuck in this avoidance cycle. And then basically that kind of builds on itself by creating more tension and more stress and then we continue to avoid and procrastinate. So then how we can actually work towards addressing this, of course there are several ways. First of all, if there is a very real reason for overwhelm in the sense that perhaps your workload or whatever it is that you are taking on is way beyond your abilities, then being able to address that. But oftentimes we get overwhelmed in our own head and a way to combat this is to find grounding practices that bring us back into a place of stability and centeredness and not allowing ourselves to be so overcome with whatever it is that we are feeling overwhelmed by. And then at the same time, when it comes to procrastination, being able to commit to micro steps as opposed to massive things that we need to be doing. So how this applies to the conversation of getting in your own way is I think a lot of the, a lot of the time when we are wanting to take action towards a specific goal or wanting to put ourselves out there in a new way, we allow the goal to be too big. We don't set small micro goals or perhaps we're trying to change ourselves in a way that is overwhelming. And then that just leads to a cycle of overwhelm and, like I said, procrastination. And then the last one, which I think is a big theme for many of us, is perfectionism and 
comparison. I believe that perfectionism is oftentimes rooted in the need for control, perhaps on some level if we feel that we can control our output and make sure that it's perfect and make sure that it doesn't have any mistakes, then again, we can shield ourselves from the experience of rejection. And the reality of this is that perfection can be extremely draining and not allow us to actually just show up on any given day in the way that we truly are in that moment. We feel that we need to constantly be polishing ourselves and presenting ourselves in such a way that is palatable and pleasing to others. And again, when it comes to comparison, we compare the output or the expression that we have with that of others and believe that you know they're better off or what have you. And I find that this just keeps us in this cycle of you know, draining our energy on trying to be perfect while also feeling poorly about where we are in our evolution because we're comparing ourselves to someone else. Obviously, perfectionism is a whole conversation in and of itself that I could talk about for hours, but I'm just going to keep it short and simple for today because I think we're all pretty familiar with what it means to engage in perfectionism and the impact that that can have on our self-expression and our overall well-being. Okay, so I posted this question on social media and I just want to share some of your answers. So someone said, I often tell myself I'm not capable of doing things because of my fear of failure. This is so accurate and exactly what I tell myself in relation to my fear of rejection. I allow that fear to fester and become bigger and bigger and convinces me that I'm not capable of doing something. And it's basically like, again, that defense mechanism of if I tell myself, you know, that I'm not capable of doing this, I'm protecting myself from the experience of failure. But in doing so, we don't allow ourselves to have those experiences that we may be craving. Failure is a funny one also because I think it's demonized a lot, especially in the sense that we're expected to have a pretty linear path to success. But if we really examine what it means to fail, oftentimes it's just a lesson that we're learning to further us on our path. And we can be really thankful for those experiences because they help us to learn more about ourselves in the world. So being able to look at that fear and you know, not allow it to overcome the way that we make decisions and the way that we navigate the world, I think is really healthy and important. And also just the fact that we are aware of these fears can be really helpful in allowing us to navigate them. Here's another one. When a deadline is not close enough, I'll push stuff off and end up overwhelmed. Exactly. This comes back to that procrastination overwhelm cycle that we spoke about. Someone else said, scared to be the better me, so self-sabotaged and stay complaining about it. Oh my gosh, this is so relatable. I actually had this moment in the past and I continue to have this these moments of realization where it's like, I owe it to myself to stop complaining and start doing. That exact phrase went through my mind where it was specifically in relation to a job that I was really unhappy in and I just found myself complaining and complaining and complaining and 
probably really bothering the people around me because it was so much complaining and not a lot of taking action to actually remedy the situation. But like this person mentioned, I think there's almost a fear of what it would mean to be unstuck and to be in a more um, aligned version of yourself because we're so used to being stuck and it almost feels more safe. And I talk about this a lot in terms of oftentimes the way that stepping into your authenticity and becoming a better version of yourself is framed is that it's easy because it's your natural state of being. But like I said, it comes along with confronting a lot of these defense mechanisms that we've built up and that can be really daunting and it's not always necessarily the most easy path. So yeah, I think that that is really valid that we get into this place of being scared of stepping into what we know to be true and authentic and so we self-sabotage and stay stuck. Okay, someone else said overthinking literally everything. And now that I see that, I probably should have included overthinking in behaviors that are keeping you in your own way because I kind of think they go hand in hand with things like procrastination and overwhelm and even perfectionism and comparison because... Again, it's one of those blockages of being able to just express ourselves and show up as ourselves and be imperfect and coming back to what the first person said, have perhaps the experience of quote unquote failure. We think that if we overthink and we use our mind to get us out of certain situations, we'll be able to avoid them. And what this ends up doing, at least in my experience, is just keeping us again, stuck in those cycles of almost self-sabotage and not being able to actually take action and start creating and start coming into alignment. So yes, I feel like overthinking is another one of those defense mechanisms. We think that at least in my case, we can control a situation if only we can you know, think our way out of it and think of all the possible outcomes and all the possible scenarios, um, which really ends up just spinning our wheels and really depleting and exhausting us. This one's kind of funny. Just to reiterate, the question on Instagram was, how do you get in your own way? Someone responded, I don't. Okay, that's amazing. I'm happy for you. Someone else said, destructive habits and rationalizing them, so I thought it was okay. One person said, one phrase, I don't wanna. Someone else said, not asking for help when I need it. Yes, absolutely. This is something I'm so guilty of. And something that I feel like hyper-independence is really normalized and glorified. And so we feel guilty and as though we're lesser than if we're asking for help, which obviously we're in community with each other and we should celebrate asking for help and seeking help and supporting one another. But we're made to feel as though that's such a bad thing. Someone else said, convince myself that doing the things are embarrassing slash going to fail before I try. Yeah, very similar to the first one about allowing the fear of failure to prevent you from even trying. And again, coming back to those limiting beliefs, not allowing yourself to explore different outcomes. And embarrassment is a huge one. Actually, I want to talk about embarrassment for a second. Actually, one of you sent me this video on TikTok that really articulated this particular fear that we have of embarrassment by this creator called I Feels You. I'll link it in the show notes because it's such a good video. And the caption is, don't be afraid to be seen trying. And basically what the creator is talking about is we all have this, I think, attachment to being in a place where we are successful and have something to show for our efforts. And this middle ground of 
trying and perhaps failing and just really experimenting with life is for some reason embarrassing. Um, I dealt with this, for example, when I was first putting myself out there on social media, I pictured all the conversations of people from my hometown being like, oh my gosh, is she actually trying to be like an influencer or whatever? And I think that we have these types of narratives of what are people going to think if they see me trying? And this is really something that holds us back because at the end of the day, if we're not allowing ourselves to be seen making an effort, we're never going to put in that effort in order to achieve what we want to achieve or align ourselves to what we want to align to. And then the last one I'll share is overthinking and overanalyzing anything I have said or done. This I feel is a very common tendency that we all do at times is to basically spend a lot of time ruminating on our past behaviors and past actions. And I think, of course, this can be helpful in the sense that if we can learn from our past behaviors and identify the behaviors that we want to maximize and those that we want to minimize in the direction that we want to go in, then of course that can be positive. But I think when it becomes a toxic cycle is when we ruminate and shame ourselves or feel embarrassed or start to think that everybody else is thinking about our past and holding us to that standard when that can really just hold us back from moving forward and imagining, like I said earlier in this episode, different outcomes for ourselves. And something that I find really helpful to remember is that we're all living in our own heads and we're spending most of the time thinking about ourselves. And we have this idea that everybody else is kind of looking at us and thinking about us and thinking about our past all the time, when in reality, they're probably fixated on their own experience and allowing ourselves to let go of past behaviors that we're not proud of or perhaps that we want to let go of can really help us to move forward. And of course, still being accountable and regulating whatever needs to be regulated, but also allowing ourselves and giving ourselves permission and forgiveness to move forward. So I just want to kind of come back and summarize everything that we've discussed and how this all ties into itself and ties together. So We talked about what it means to be in our own way, how when we're not honoring our natural strengths, abilities, desires, way of expressing, we can start to create friction and blockage and energetic buildup that serve as protective layers and buffers to how we experience the world and oftentimes can really create a lot of tension and anxiety and resentment. I talked a lot about water and how we can think about our natural state of being as a flowing body of water and how when we are resisting that flow, again, we're creating that buildup and what we can do in that instance is seek the source of resistance and begin to release that. I then shared what some of those resisting behaviors are, so limiting beliefs, negative self-talk, subconscious fears, procrastination, overwhelm, perfectionism, and comparison, and how we can work through each one of these to begin to re-experience the world as our natural, authentic selves and be open to a broad range of experiences, the whole emotional spectrum, and really be able to get out of our own way and stop trying to prevent ourselves from having certain life experiences and in turn being able to enjoy the fullness and richness and full spectrum of what life has to offer. So yeah, I think I'm going to leave it at that for today. I hope that you enjoyed this and if you are feeling like you're in a place of being stuck 
feeling like you're getting in your own way, feeling that resistance and not allowing yourself to actually fully experience your life and take new opportunities and have new experiences, just knowing that you're not alone and hopefully you found a little nugget of wisdom in this episode and you can begin to experiment with and implement that into your life. I know I will be as well listening back to this and experimenting with some of the things that we discussed. So yeah, I'm looking forward to being on this journey together. Once again, thank you so much for being here. I appreciate it. I am so grateful for this community and I hope you have a wonderful weekend. I will see you next week for another episode. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.